Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. So this is uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell amongst thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell on good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears, let him hear. And then skipping on to verse uh, 14 and to 25 is when uh, Jesus is uh, explaining that same parable uh, to his disciples uh, when they're alone. And Jesus says this to them, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones that are sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. Uh, But they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown amongst thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, um, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But these are the ones who are sown on the good soil, are the ones who hear the word and accept it, and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in and put under a basket or under a bed? and not rather on a stand, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what we hear. With the measure that you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has uh, will be taken away. So I'm pretty sure that this is a passage that we've, uh, we've heard and uh, probably heard many preachers on. We've probably got an idea of what we think it's about. Uh, and uh, we've probably read it uh, in, our, in our times with the Lord many times over. And I think the danger of something that uh, uh, we've read and very familiar with is it becomes common. And also the danger is that we can have preconceived ideas, as I said, as to what we think it's about. And it reminds me... Uh, of when my sister used to do theology. So she went up to, travelled up from Brighton uh, to King's College London and did theology. And um, for, the, for her thesis, uh, her, her lecturer taught her and the rest of the class, actually what would be good is to list out all of the things um, that you think that you're biased about with regard to the subject that you're about to study. And it was this understanding that if you can understand the things that you're biased or might uh, twist your understanding of a certain uh, subject matter, then it's great to just understand what they are because you're more likely to be objective 
when you come to study uh, and try to understand this, uh, the subject for which your thesis is about. And so this morning I just want to go into uh, a few things that the passage isn't and a few things that the passage is. The first thing uh, is that the passage isn't primarily about evangelism. And that, that might surprise you, but I'd like to, uh, I'd hope that by the end of this preaching you would come to understand my reasons for believing that. Secondly, is that it's not primarily about salvation or getting saved. And uh, we can look to, um, uh, if we just skip on to the next slide, we can look to verses 19 and 20 just to see that actually I think Jesus would have worded this particular part of the parable differently if it was about salvation or getting saved. But instead, what do we see? We see the, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. I think if we were, uh, if this was about salvation or getting saved, then Jesus would have said, and this person uh, did not enter heaven or did not attain salvation, but rather he uses the word, but actually chokes the word and it proves unfruitful. It seems to me that Jesus is speaking about something other than salvation or getting saved. And we can see that once again in verses 20. Uh, we can see here where there's an opportunity for Jesus to say, and this person was saved and added uh, and, and went to heaven. No, what do we hear? We hear... Uh, that this person accepts the word and it bears fruit 30-fold, 60-fold and 100-fold. And so something just important to understand with, with, uh, with regard to this passage is that it's actually not the point of salvation that Jesus is talking about here. Actually, it's the wider picture of what the work of God and the impact or lack of impact that the word of God has on a person's life. And Jesus uh, uh, names uh, or lists four different ways, uh, four different scenarios in which that's true. And the first one is um, where the word of God has no impact. The devil comes away and snatches it out of the person's hand, out of the person's ear straight away. The second is that uh, the person is excited, seemingly excited, just for a moment. The word of God comes along and brings joy into that person's life, but it's just like a fad. It's not, it hasn't been rooted in that person's life. It's not part of the foundation or that which anchors the person. And so trouble comes along. And as we, as I think many of us would understand, trouble and hardship in people's lives really actually test the true motives uh, for why we do things, the true things that are sort of like undergirding our lives and beliefs. And the third one, third uh, case of unfruitfulness, is actually you get the impression that this person, it might have survived uh, sort of like trial and tribulation, might have had a, uh, a, uh, a good response to the word of God, but it seems like life has come in and choked them away. They've been part of life and uh, and just other things, house, family, mortgage, finance, all of these things come in and they, the deceitfulness of riches, the distraction of life has just come and sort of like basically just make the word of God powerless, null and void in their life. And Jesus says of these three scenarios that the word of God proves unfruitful in their lives. And then you have this fourth person, the good soil, 
And Jesus doesn't say they are blessed or just that they're fruitful. And this is something I actually love about scripture, is that we believe in a God of abundance, don't we? And he doesn't say that just the person is just fruitful. He says, no, there's a manifold blessing, 30-fold, a 60-fold, a 100-fold blessing in that person's life. And it reminds me of uh, Mark 10, 29 to 30, where um, his disciples were saying, listen, we've given up everything for you. This is uh, just after the story um, of uh, the rich man uh, in, Mark, uh, in Mark chapter 10. Uh, the disciples go, listen, we've given up everything for you. And Jesus says uh, these encouraging words. And you can say, like, if you are in a similar situation, you feel like you've given up a lot for Jesus this morning, you can hear these words for you as well. Jesus says, truly I tell you, anyone who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail, not fail to receive hundreds of times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions in, uh, uh, in this age and in the age to come. So you have this wonderful encouragement, a reaping, and a sowing, and an expectation uh, of blessing uh, should we be the people who accept the word of God in our lives. Now, I'd like to ask a question this morning, and, it, and it's this. It's, why does Jesus mention these three scenarios of unfruitfulness? Because, and you're going to have to go with me on this, it's, it's obviously not for us in this room who have responded positively to the word of God. It's not for those who are being fruitful. Neither is it for the unfruitful, because not only does the passage provide no help for them and just state their condition, even if it did provide help for them, the very definition of why they're being spoken about in the passage is because they're people that don't listen to the word of God, of which this parable is included. So it's not for the fruitful, it's not for the unfruitful. So what is the reason for Jesus mentioning these three people, these three examples of unfruitfulness? I think Christianity has generally come to terms with, well, these, this is, these are the things that, this is the passage that we go to when evangelism hasn't worked out. And we can say, ah, right, okay, we actually have a passage for this. This person hasn't responded to Jesus, therefore... Uh, it's almost like this passage is Jesus just pulling back the veil of what's going on in people's hearts uh, when evangelism hasn't been successful in someone's life. And I think, uh, to be honest with you, I think that's, uh, I think that's totally correct. Uh, that, that, that is certainly one of the reasons. But the question this morning is, it, is that the actual, is that the primary reason for, for Jesus mentioning um, mentioning these three uh, scenarios of unfruitfulness. And there's something that I'd like us just to, uh, a principle of scripture really when it comes to understanding passages, is, is that I think we should take very great caution when the understanding uh, of a passage or our understanding of a passage leads us to say, ah, oh, that is about them and have no application towards ourselves. Now, that's not to say that that means that our understanding of that passage is, isn't correct. It's just to say that 
when we have that understanding that leads us to say that's about them and not about us, then I would say tread carefully and have great caution. Now I just want to suggest another understanding, uh, propose another a different understanding this morning. And I would say actually I think that in many ways and at many different times the word of God comes to us in our lives. And we actually are tempted in all three of these different scenarios. We're tempted when the word of God comes into our lives to immediately ignore it. Now, whether we're a Christian, whether we've responded well previously to previous words in our lives, we're tempted just to discard it. Secondly, we're tempted to get very excited, but just for a really short period of time. Uh, and then suddenly, um, uh, because there's no root, we've, we, we've put nothing in place that kind of grounds us, we've, we've not kind of anchored uh, our lives to it in any way, shape or form, um, uh, then actually it's just turned out to be a fad. Some, some difficulty comes along and we, we move on maybe to the next fad or maybe to uh, the next something in our lives that's, uh, that's got our attention. And the second, temp the third temptation um, is that actually we do persevere, and this is perhaps more applicable to, to us this morning, um, is that perhaps we've been Christians for quite some time, um, but the things of God just grow uninteresting, they grow cold, um, and uh, you know what, there's a lot in scripture uh, about God calling us to remember the goodness of God, all the way through Israelite the Israelites' histories, you had these feasts, you had these reminders. In, in our day and age, we have, um, uh, we have communion reminding us time and time again, every time we meet, uh, that the blood of Jesus is for us, what Jesus has done on the cross. Be thankful every time we come in to the presence of God. You've got these constant reminders. And the reason is, is because we actually need those constant reminders in our lives. Because there is a real danger that we grow cold uh, uh, and the other things, deceitfulness of riches, the cares of life come in uh, and choke the fruitfulness of the word of God in our lives. And um, I think particularly Galatians 6, 7 to 9 is, is, a, is a good example of that and uh, teaching that Paul just comes along and gives to the Galatian church. Uh, and he says, don't be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Let us not become weary in doing good. And I think that there's a real temptation in this third scenario that we can grow weary in doing good and give up. But actually there's a promise, and the promise is this, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So there is a reaping and a sowing. The problem is, is there's often a delay between one and the other. Right? And we can just look to creation, just the reaping and sowing of crops, to understand actually there is, a, there is a difference between those two. And actually there's a parable uh, just a few verses down in, in Mark 4 uh, that speaks about a farmer who, who sows his seed. And then there's a, there's a delay before the kingdom of God, the growth of the kingdom of God, becomes apparent in their lives. So there's an encouragement there that God cannot be mocked, that God is... He's almost saying, listen, if, if you sow and don't reap, then that proves me to be false. Okay? But he's saying, no, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. I cannot be mocked. If you are someone who reaps in your life, sows in your life, then you will reap 
and so long as you do not give up. And we also uh, hear this, uh, and um, what's interesting about this bit of the passage, so we're reading now uh, Mark 4, 23 to 25, which is the, uh, just after the ex- uh, explanation of, um, of the parable, Jesus then uh, says uh, two or three things to his disciples straight off the back um, of, uh, of his ex- uh, explanation of the parable. And he says this, if anyone has ears, let him hear he says to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure that you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, I think that, uh, and, and I, I certainly uh, tend to think in, in, in a kind of black and white way, uh, often when it comes to parables, and that we can often think with regard to this parable particularly, uh, that you either receive the word of God, so we're talking about scenario four now, the good soil, you either receive the word of God in good soil or you don't, black and white. You either have the full manifest, uh, manifest blessing of fruitfulness in your life uh, or you don't. You have... It's, it's, a, it's an either-or scenario, whereas actually what Jesus says straight off the back of this parable, he says, actually, no, 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 it's not like that. It's this, that you can receive the word of God, but to the degree that you act upon it, to the degree uh, that you press into God, to the degree that you say, oh, these are the promises of God, and I'm going to align my life in line with them, the more you pour out, the more you dedicate your life to blessing, to doing good, to loving others, the more manifold blessing you will get in your life. You've got a choice whether you want the 30, the 60 or the 100. And it's interesting that he increments it like that. And we have to understand that actually, uh, actually there's, there's a direct link between the amount that you pour out, the amount that you sow, and the amount that you reap. And God is not mocked. We know this. And it's a promise that we can hang our hat on, that if we live our lives in accordance with God's word, receiving his word, accepting it, and not just receiving it and accepting it, but going after God, uh, then he promises uh, to pour out blessing on our lives, gives us so gives the seed for the sowing uh, uh, and this manifold blessing. And this is one of the reasons... Uh, well, I'm just going to read out 2 Peter uh, 1, 3 to 11, um, because it's, it's very connected to what we've just uh, spoken about. And I know it's a little bit long, but I'll just rattle through it quickly. It says this, His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and great promises. So one of these precious and great promises this morning is that those who sow will reap and the manifold blessing of fruitfulness on someone's life if they accept uh, and abide in the word of God. And then it goes on, it says, So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now that feels a lot like scenario three, where you've actually pressed through in your life and you haven't allowed uh, reality or the, 
uh, or this life to come in, the deceitfulness of riches, the, uh, the thoughts and the, the tendency to look to other things. Um, and he says, for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. I love the fact that these all uh, culminate in love. Um, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is again, this connection between godly living and fruitfulness and effectiveness and blessing in the godly life. And then he therefore goes, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. If you practice these qualities, you will never fall. <laughs> and, and in this way, there will be richly provided for you uh, an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think that there's just wonderful expectations. Jesus says, you will not only receive blessing in this life, but a wonderful, rich uh, entrance into the kingdom of heaven of our Lord Jesus Christ in the next. All these wonderful promises of God, but it requires that we take our faith and press into God, add virtue, add knowledge, add self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly love, brotherly affection. If these are qualities are yours and are increasing, they'll keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'd just like to finish with this. Uh, this is the thing that Jesus says immediately after the, after the parable. And he, and he says this. He said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not, under, uh, and not rather on a stand? And Jesus is basically saying this. Listen, I want to... I want you to picture your lives uh, as if they're lamps. I want you to picture your lives and the sphere of influence. Now, we all have different spheres of influence. Some of us are engineers, some of us are doctors, uh, some of us are evangelists, uh, and, and, and many others. So I don't know what shining your light looks like uh, in, your, in your case, but Jesus says, listen, I want you to see yourself as a lamp. Uh, and I want you to put your lamp, your light on a stand. I want you uh, to be a blessing in, in your, your sphere. And I want you to know that there's a wonderful promise of fruitfulness for those who invest and sow into wherever God has placed them. I think there's one thing that I find really encouraging is that wherever I find myself now is where God has placed me. You find yourself here this morning, and this is where God has, has placed you. But what I'm talking about is during your week, wherever you find yourself, whatever sphere of influence you have, whatever employment you have, that is where God has sown you. And God has this wonderful plan and purpose for you to shine the light of the gospel, for sure. Uh, but the glory of God, which is almost this sort of like bigger um, uh, 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 it, it's, it's almost like this uh, all-encompassing uh, uh, aspect of, of the glory of God where we get to 
uh, not just witness uh, in our words, but also witness in our deeds, witness by the excellent of, excellence of our work, uh, witness in terms of being trustworthy and truthful, hardworking, disciplined in all that we have.